podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Bosco's boys are back and we're here to talk to you about the 35 to 6 beatdown the West Virginia Mountaineers gave to our cats. Uh, but we are coming to you live from the MyBookie studios here in Topeka, Kansas. Remember, as always, you can visit MyBookie and get a 100% match plus 25 bucks when you use our code BOYS25. Again, that's BOYS25. And uh, Grant, he's not with us. He's actually carrying out a guerrilla mission down in Cuba trying to free the Cuban people, taking out the Castro dynasty. So Kevin McFarland, third ever recurring guest, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Scott. It's good to be with you. And uh, boy, best wishes to Grant. I hope he carries out his mission. I think he will. And then as always with our recurring guests, you are the recipient, the third recipient of our recurring guest koozies. Wow, thanks a lot. Boy, these are sweet. They are going to look well in my koozie drawer for sure. And they will go well over a beer of the pod next time I have a beer listening to your pod. But there is no beer of the pod today. We're recording this at 9.30 in the morning. Just got You just got home from church. We're going to get this done before Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs start playing. So uh, let's just get right into it. No beer of the pod. Game highlight reviews. You and I watched this game together. We, I said this right after it happened. I think the biggest thing was very early in the game, we got two takeaways and we did absolutely nothing with it. Momentum could have been on our side. Nothing happened. Uh, we barely moved the ball. The biggest play when we had the ball after those turnovers was a 15-yard horse collar penalty on West Virginia. Then all the momentum was gone, and I believe right after that, after the second time we couldn't score, West Virginia marched down the field and scored their first touchdown. Well, and let me say if, on, on the very beginning here that watching the game yesterday with you was a bit like uh, attending a revival. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, we proclaim rather vigorously our Lord and Savior a few times during that uh, that game, but yes, uh, there was uh, some interesting language that occurred. But it was really disappointing because the recipe for us to have success in that game yesterday played out perfectly. The two uh, early turnovers, uh, the the getting the ball and them not scoring, uh, but doing nothing with the ball. Uh, that was just offensively. It was just very disappointing. And that's a theme of the entire game. That's not something that was rectified later in the game. Uh, just super frustrating. The The next time where momentum completely swung, it's towards the end of the first half. We finally start moving the ball. We're getting closer to midfield. The defense to this point has played great. It's still only 7 to nothing. But I believe on first down we picked up 9, or let's say 8.5 yards. We have three plays to try to pick up the first down, and we don't. And the biggest thing that people point to is a quarterback sneak on third down, which 
didn't quite pick it up. And then Skyler checking out of another quarterback sneak to try to do a quick option, which failed miserably. You and I both wanted to go for that, but I think we both anticipated another quarterback sneak. Um, at that point, momentum completely changes. West Virginia quickly scores. We then can't decide what we want to do, try to run out the ball to get to halftime or not. We give them the ball back, and then at this point, the defense has just their worst performance maybe of the year, just letting them dink and dunk down the field, eight plays in less than a minute for a touchdown. Um, when that was going on, what was going through your mind? Because I know we both had a little meltdown when we couldn't pick up those six inches. Well, that was clearly the turning point in the game. Um, as you said, we go for it on third down on the sneak, and you know we didn't pick it up. So I thought, hey, we've got less than a yard to go here. We've got to go for it on fourth. This is the time to pick it up. And when he checked out of it, I was – I was really disappointed because, uh, of course, he was in a shotgun formation at that point, too, was he not? Yeah, so we started off in the shotgun. He then went under center. Then he started making the checks, and then we went to that quick option. Right. pitched it immediately, Mm -hmm. and West Virginia just swarmed. Barnes didn't have a shot. And I think what we both wondered is, in situations like that in the past, we would go into the rugby scrum formation yeah and it's been and i think it's had like a 95 percent success rate so why don't you just run that two times in a row and pick up that first down keep the momentum rolling right when we gave the ball up at that point momentum definitely switched and the turning point in the whole game was at that moment because they scored so quickly in the final minutes uh, twice that uh, it put us in a big 21-0 hole at halftime yeah, and at that point, you think to yourself, okay, things probably are not going to go our way, but as I typically do, and you've seen me be the oracle of coming up with the improbable comebacks, you saw me lay it down twice for two Iowa State comebacks, the West Virginia comeback back in 2015, I believe, when we had to get it for bowl eligibility, and at halftime, I started laying out, okay, this is what we need to do. We need to come out, we need to score on our first two drives, a touchdown, and maybe a field goal, and then it's game on. We start rolling in that second half, and you know we're moving the ball quite well. Skyler and Zuber have a connection. Um, they're doing well, and then there's three plays that just end up, I think, breaking the spirit of the team. You have the first one, which is a perfectly played play. And then Skyler throws it to Zuber, maybe a little underthrown. And you were the one who pointed it out to me. So tell the listeners what you saw in that play because a lot of people say, oh, maybe he underthrew it. Maybe he lost his feet. But you saw it, and I think you're 100% correct in your observation. Well, when Zuber was uh, running his route, uh, they were in the shade of the stadium at that point. There were there was no sun, and he transitioned from shade into the sun where he was actually looking back into the sun when he made his break, and that was about the time the throw uh, was uh, when Skyler had his throw. And at that point, I think he totally lost the ball, and he had to slow down to, at the point where he wanted to make sure he caught it when he actually did see it out of the sun. Yeah, and I think, and you said it correctly, he didn't probably see it until it was right there in his breadbasket. He went down, caught it, and he did the correct thing. He wanted to make sure you caught the ball, and then we continued to move the ball, and then, man, we have two just, just you know, plays that make you feel gutted for Skyler. He makes a perfect RPO call, fires it into Blaze Gammons, and it hits both his hands, and he drops it. 
Yes, could he have thrown it with a little more finesse? Maybe, but he he had to go around a linebacker, had his hands up, and he didn't want to lay him out because if you lob that ball up there, that safety's taking Gannon's head off. Right, and uh, we we did see that because when the play first un- unfolded, I thought, man, he's zinged it in there just too hard for Blaze. But when he had the replay, you could tell he had to kind of three-quarter uh, sidearm it around the uh, linebacker, and he had to zip it in. Yep, and then I think it was the very next play he finds uh, Reuter, who is back in the end zone all by himself, and, of course, he drops it. Uh, the West Virginia player hits him. He ends up with the ball when it's all said and done. They review it, but it was never going to be called a touchdown, and that's just shades of what has been plaguing this wide receiving core since the Vanderbilt game of last year. It just – and at that point, you just feel for Skyler, who made another good throw, and his his guys just couldn't come up for him. And I'm not sure if Reuter let the ball get to his body or or what, but it seemed to pop right out. He went up high for it. It was a perfect read, and he just flat out dropped it. Yeah, and then after that, we, we get the field goal. Uh, you know, West Virginia goes down. They score, and you were the one who called this out to me. On that return, at that point, it almost looked like the team just straight up quit, and you could see it really from the special teams rest of the game, just no spirit. I think uh, every return we had from that point on, it just looked like our receivers, uh, those who were returning it, were very tentative. I'm not sure if our, you know, we were even picking up the blocks we normally do as well, but uh, everybody looked tentative at that point. Yep, and from that point, it really was West Virginia all the time. Um, We'll get into it here in a little bit, but they did about halfway through the third quarter. They moved to Alex Delton. Uh, He had limited success. We got one more field goal. I think West Virginia got one more touchdown when it was all said and done. But it was party time for West Virginia. Uh, Before we dive right into talking about K-State's units, what are your thoughts on West Virginia as a ball club? Because I was relatively high on them coming into the season. Everyone who listened said, I knows I said pound the over because their Vegas over under was seven and a half. I was high on them, but I think that they really are the real deal. Will Greer is the real deal. Yeah, first off, it, it starts with Greer on the offensive end. He is a quarterback that, you know, he seemed to have a bigger presence than out there than he really is. He's only six foot two. I mean, he to me almost looked like he was six four or six five out there. He just had that presence he was cool under pressure but boy that kid can sure lay out the uh the deep ball very very well and of course sills uh the his uh receiver uh, mate who he had a great connection with during the game uh he he was outstanding as well too uh but defensively that's where i thought we might be able to uh in you know have an identity on offense uh against them because i was I was not convinced that their defense was all that, uh, but I felt like their, you know, their defense was extremely aggressive, uh, and they they played very physical, much more physical than our offensive line was, and uh, they gave us problems all day long. Uh, I did think their defense defensive set was quite interesting. That three three look. That may have given our our guys some trouble, uh, and we didn't really adjust very well to that throughout the whole game. Yep, that's very true, and uh, we'll probably touch on that again when we talk about the offensive line, but let's go unit by unit. Um, let's talk quarterbacks. Um, I you know, I had a few things jotted down, but everything started really 
taking off in the post game because Bill Snyder got up on the podium, started gushing about Alex Delton, talking about how he played extremely well, thinks he should have gotten in the game early. And then when he talked about Skyler, he said he didn't play up to his talent, didn't play very well. And that kind of confused me. Alex produced only three points in a quarter and a half. He had a drive that started on West Virginia's 30 that didn't even result in points. Took two big sacks on third down, which made longer field goals. And then our friends at Pro Football Focus actually had Skyler graded out almost 15 points higher than Alex Delton. So what do you make of Bill Snyder's comments and what do you make of the quarterback play yesterday? Well, Bill's comments were a little bit puzzling because – uh, you know, Skyler's difficulties that he had, especially in the first half, were not of his making, I don't think. And, I, and clearly, uh, the drive in the first, in the second half, the first drive of the second half, he engineered a very fine drive. I mean, it was, you know, I'm not sure how many plays it was, but it was probably 11, 12 plays. And he engineered it and marched them down confidently. Uh, when uh, they put Alex Delton in, I was not opposed to that, quite honestly. I didn't want Skyler to get, get hurt. And at that point, I thought, you know, let's go ahead and, and bring him in and, and see what he can do. I didn't think his performance was that great myself, certainly not to make us feel like that, well, the controversy's back up again. We got a competition again. I didn't think that, that Delton actually performed that well. Uh, I mean, he – like you said, he had a couple of really bad sacks and somebody uh, that has the ability to run like he does, you know, you would hope wouldn't get sacked in that kind of a situation. Uh, he ran the ball pretty well a couple times, I think. He threw a couple of decent balls too, but at that point in the game, West Virginia, you know, they're just keeping everything in front of them. And they had some of their twos on there, and then there was one specific play where Alex Zelton made a quite frankly, kind of poor throw that if Skyler was in there, it's a touchdown. Uh, the one other thing that I'm going to bring up, and this is some stuff that we've been hearing directly from some folks in West Virginia, uh, this is now the biggest pain point amongst the staff amongst themselves. The offensive staff is all behind Skyler Thompson, and a lot of folks are getting really frustrated with how Bill is answering these questions and almost forcing the controversy back up. We have a an Ask Bosco question later on that we might touch on this a little bit later. But let's move on now to the offensive line. Um, for you know, for as bad as they are, and this kind of tells you how bad they were all season, this probably was one of, honestly, one of their better games because, you know, three out of four times they did have a decent passing pocket. There are a handful of times they allowed Alex Barnes to get running, but I think it really does come down to not meeting the expectations we had for them coming into this season because, you know, if this was just, you know, a generic offensive line, you would have been like, okay, tough front to block. That 3-3-5 three, three, is tough to, you know, get your bearings but we were thinking this might be one of the best offensive lines in the country and I think it's safe to say at this point that is nowhere near the truth because look at what Kentucky did to Mississippi State they ran for close to 300 yards and scored 28 points on that front seven so uh, how wrong were we about the offensive line coming into the season well we were clearly wrong and and I like the point you the point you made about Kentucky because uh, when we flipped over uh, to that game later I looked at that and we were both like, whoa, what is going on here? And Kentucky is clearly not going to be an offensive juggernaut, but they were able to move the ball against Mississippi State, whereas we felt like, well, we're never going to see anything like this the rest of the year. It was boys against men. Uh, but I've, I've got to feel like that 
again, maybe this is tamping down expectations, but I too felt like, you know, they had their moments yesterday. Our line did. Uh, they made some holes for Alex Barn. A couple real costly penalties. I believe it was Abdul Beecham with that 15-yard hands to the face penalty early on in the game, which basically stopped one of the drives that, again, that's a momentum swinger. And we don't typically, we, we've said this so many times about K-State this year, we typically don't see those kind of mistakes. Uh, those kind of drive-killing uh, penalties, you don't see that that often against uh, this unit. Well, I think that's the narrative, but I think over the last four or five years, that needs to change. And, you know, it's tough to break 20 years of habits, but I think over the last four or five years, Grant and I have talked about how, yes, the narrative is they don't make those mistakes, but sadly, they're making them quite often. And speaking of mistakes, you know, Justin Sillman had the one turnover. We're getting to the running backs now. Um I think we can put to bed the questions of why he isn't playing. Do you agree on that? Oh, I do. You know, when he came out there, you know, I was just like, okay, we're going to give Silman a look. Uh, Promptly, you know, dives to the, to, I think he was trying to pick up an extra yard or something, uh, but, or make something out of, out of his opportunity, but he fumbles it. It didn't look like he was even really stripped that hard. He did get hit, but I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And then uh, my guy, Dalvin Warmack, uh, pretty poor game for him. There's a couple times where I thought he was maybe a split second away from getting to the secondary, but he didn't do quite much, and we didn't get him involved in the passing game once again, which I think is a massive mistake. Uh, Alex Barnes, he had a couple times where he strung together two or three good runs, but then for whatever reason we go away from it. Um, do you think Andre Coleman just isn't letting the hot hand ride and not just in playing time, but getting plays called. I feel like there are a couple of times where we should have just kept running Alex Barnes power until they stopped it. It does feel like there's not a flow or a rhythm to our strategy and play calling. And if that's Andre Coleman, uh, then maybe he's, you know, he's showing his uh, inexperience. And if it's, you know, coach Snyder and, and how he's, uh, impacting or influencing the play calling that's a problem as well there's just no rhythm in our offense and there's no rhythm also with the wide receivers Zuber's proven he's the only uh you know power five capable wide receiver in my opinion uh and he had a great game but man the rest of the guys just couldn't get open And I don't think there's much more we can say about that because we've said it in almost every episode, and it really makes you question why they were so quick to let Corey Sutton walk away. How do you let Dominique Heath get away? How do you let some of these other folks transfer out when this is what is left over? Well, and the other thing, too, is that uh, as we we stated in that one critical uh, drive in the beginning of of the second half is that our guys, when they get the opportunity, they get their hands on the ball, they've got to catch the ball. And that's what was disappointing to me in that unit, that particular drive, those two drops. Yep, and uh, that's about all you can say for the offense. It, it just It's just not pretty right now. Let's talk about defense. Um, and, again, I don't know how much prettier this gets. Uh, defensive line, we've been talking about it almost – all season so far and you know midi he was able to come up with that fumble recovery but that's about all the good you can say about the defensive line they're getting blown up almost every play just like we've seen every week we just don't seem to have the athletes at defensive line uh, 
quite honestly, they kind of look like a, you know, a division two offensive line, the way, the way they are, uh, or the defensive line is performing this year. Walker, I think on the end had a couple of moments where he actually hurried Greer. He, you know, he, he got close to getting to him a couple times, but that's about it. I mean, the defensive line was pretty much, uh, Deshaun, he got double teamed quite a bit throughout the, the day, but boy, he was just not having an impact on the game at all. Yeah, and it's frustrating because that's something that we've been wanting to key on. We want to see some of that pressure come up the middle um, to allow some of these linebackers to make plays. Um, one positive linebackers, Elijah Sullivan, he did play. That was good. Another positive, I think we saw Daquan Patton have the, his best game since the opener but fact of the matter above almost any position group on the defense the linebackers just can't do much if the defensive line isn't taking up their blocks but do you have any other call outs for the defense or for the linebackers uh no probably not but i i tell you what they had you know they had their hands full yesterday uh i mean because they did they had blockers getting to them all day long yeah and it was frustrating and then um the secondary, that's, that's the last unit on the defense. And I have to say, in the first half, up until that drive at the end of the half, I thought they played well. They were disguising some blitzes and dropping back into zones. We got, I believe, three interceptions when it was all said and done. Uh, and I think that they made a couple really good plays on the ball. But, man, Kendall Adams got sucked in a couple times that allowed for some big plays. Uh you know, we got burnt two or three times. You know, they just didn't quite have the depth and didn't quite have the talent to be able to hold West Virginia down the entire game. Well, with the early A.J. Parker interception, I thought, you know, this guy's going to be he's, – he's dogging for a, for a game ball. You know, I thought he was going to have a – it was going to portray itself as a really big day for him. He got burned twice really, really bad. And I do have to go back, and, and uh, I said something about Deshaun earlier. He did have a sack during the – Yeah, the one the, sack. The, yeah, the one sack for this defensive yeah. line. So, so I, I, do, I do have to give him his prop for that as well. Um, but our, our secondary looks picked upon, quite honestly. Yeah, and it just looks like these guys just are not up to it. And while West Virginia is probably the best quarterback we're going to see, maybe Sills is maybe the best – wide receiver we're going to see but week in and week out save maybe KU you're going up against guys who can chuck it across the the park I mean you and I watch a lot of that Iowa State game and they have some dudes some big old six five guys that are going to bully our secondary if they can't figure it out and they're probably one of the worst wide receiver units outside of us and KU for the rest of the season well, and I'll, I'll say this uh, in defense of our uh, secondary is that it's all a system. And part of that starts with the defensive line and our ability to get pressure. We need to make our uh, opposing quarterbacks uncomfortable when they're in the pocket or make them run out of the pocket and, and bring him down a few times, hit him. Yep, and we'll uh, move on from that because, you know, I, I don't want to go on another rant about how we can't get – pressure on the quarterback and I have a feeling that I'll have you know maybe six or seven more episodes where I can do that um special teams we kind of touched on it there wasn't a lot you know third leg Lynch he went two for three um he got all our score or yeah all of our scoring return game nothing to speak of 
punting, I think, uh, you know, Rodriguez really struggled. But Adams, I believe, is going to be the guy moving forward. And this is the third time that I've flip-flopped on the punters. Oh, for Hicks? Oh, yeah. Hicks. Hicks. Yeah. Well, and he Hicks had, I think it was, was that his first attempt when he had the uh, punt that uh, it, that checked up inside the five-yard line and we pinned him back? Um, was that after? That was after the second turnover. Okay. Um, he had that great punt, and you're thinking to yourself, well, at least we're winning field position. Uh, so who knows? Maybe the Andrew Hicks. Maybe that's a uh, precursor to some game balls a little bit later. Uh, let's grade our keys to V's. This is all stuff that we've already touched on a little bit. The first one that we have to grade. Uh, Grant gave this up. The the DTs have to win the battle in the trenches. I don't know about you, but I'm giving that a D plus. It was just another game where they could not do anything. I can go along with a D plus. Uh, it would certainly be below a C. It might even be just a straight off D because I I would really like to see us win some battles and actually have more of an impact in games and actually get to the quarterback. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping we eventually see that, but it's almost getting to the point in the season where I'm almost ready to mail in hope on that. Uh, the second one was have a plus two turnover margin. I'm going to give that, you know, I'm going to give it a B. You you might be thinking, Scott, why aren't you giving it an A? We were plus three. Well, we did nothing with those turnovers. Um, I saw a stat last night that 93% of teams that have a plus three turnover margin in college football since they started keeping that stat win the game. Uh, we did nothing with them. But, you know, hey, we turned it turned them over. We only turned it over once. I'll give them a B. I think that's going to be our best score on any of these grades though well normally i would if you if you meet that goal you meet that key to v you give it an a but for the reasons you just gave you know the fact that we did absolutely nothing with that i'll give it a b the next one get pressure on will greer we got one sack we maybe hurried them only one or two times i'm going just straight off there's nothing more i can say about that well, since we did get the one sack, I'm not going to give him an F, but I'll give him a D. Uh, you've Someone like Will Greer will pick you to pieces if you do not make him uncomfortable. And he was, for the most part, comfortable. I'll, uh, I'll recall the one uh, play that we had when the ball was hiked over oh, his head. wow. You know, they were like on the two-yard two line, and you're thinking at that moment, oh, this is going to stop their drive at least. The ball bounced up. He right up to him. One hands it, coolly steps aside. Uh, who I can't I can't recall who was putting pressure on him, but he stepped aside and almost threw a touchdown. Almost threw a touchdown. Woof. Um, the final one hold West Virginia under thirty points. They scored thirty five. This is the first time that West Virginia has scored more than thirty points versus K State. Um, you know, thirty five. I mean, I'll give it a C minus. You almost got there. Um, just try to give you know one kind of passing grade, a second kind of passing grade, but that almost feels two passing grades almost feels a little too nice for this game. Yes, I'll uh, I'll give it a D plus because I'm just kind of really left a bad taste in my mouth. The whole the whole game did. Uh, the other thing that you have to state is that many of the points that they scored were were pretty long sustained drives where we didn't look like uh, we were putting up much of a fight. Yep, and uh, that's kind of depressing. Something that isn't depressing, though, is our interaction on social media. Thank you to everyone who got in their Ask Bosco questions. We're going to dive right into them. 
We're going to start off with at Hartman Brett one. And he asks, I thought we might be two and two at this point in the season, but never thought it would look this bad offensively. The question is, do we even make a bowl game this year? If not, should major changes come in the off season? Uh, Dad, I'm going to go straight to you. What do you think about that? Well, um, I think that the bowl season, a bowl game this season is still in play. Uh, there are winnable games out there. I too thought that there was a good chance that we could be two and two at this point, but boy, I, you don't really feel very good about this two and two. Um, and and if we don't make any uh, a bowl game, should there be major changes in the off season? It feels to me there's no doubt we need to make some changes regardless of whether we make a bowl or not. Bowl a bowl game this season does not necessarily mean that all is is fine and good in Manhattan um, I, I think we have to take a hard look at, at who's at the helm and who our coaches are um, at the end of this season regardless I feel like this is a question you could ask every year for the last like three or four years um, I, yes this record was predictable how bad we looked no not good do I think we're going to make a bowl? As I sit here right now, no, I don't. I think there is almost as good of a chance that we only win one game rest of the year than we win four. Um, granted, I've always been the more pessimistic person on this podcast, but I am very, very, very concerned about the offense. Do changes need to be made? Yes, and I think that changes probably should have been made following the 2012 season. Um, I think we're in very dangerous waters. That's almost going to be the person who takes over this job is taking over a worse roster than when Bill came back to calm the waters. Um, so that's where I stand. Uh, but again, I think you can copy and paste what I just said into almost every year since 2012. The only thing I would add to that is, and, and this is concerning as well, but the last few years we've had similar starts and that's concerning uh, we need to start the season better, get off to a, a better start so that the boys can have more confidence, you know, going into the big 12 season. I'm, I'm going to say this, that I do believe we will be better. I think this offense will be better. I think we'll be happier with the play of the offensive line. I told you this uh, yesterday as well. I'm, I'm guessing that by the end of the season, we'll even be happier with the, the group of uh, receivers, our receiver group. I don't think you hold quite as much optimism in that. And with the drops we had yesterday, uh, that didn't give me as much optimism either. But uh, I, think, I think we will be better. I hope you're right. And, uh, you know, history will say you're right and I'm wrong on that one. But I just I, th I think something's a little different. I'm, I'm a little worried that we're on the verge of uh, the, the team being lost in the locker room. But, you know, hopefully that is remedied versus Texas next week. Um, great friend of the pod, M. Mainin3, he asks, who should shoulder the bulk of the blame for the ineptitude on offense? Also, what is one change you'd like to see to attempt to salvage this season? We'll kick it to you first. Well, I think uh, whenever you have a team that is struggling in more than one areas, but but primarily in offense, I think it has to go to the head coach, Bill Snyder, to begin with. Uh, are our coordinators young and inexperienced? Yes, I think that is we're seeing that as well. Uh, I think primarily because of the lack of rhythm and 
it just, it just feels like we're constantly on the defense, even when we're on offense and we're, we're having a hard time executing what the game plan is. So, um, I think number one, the, the blame's got to start with Bill. And, and then I think, you know, Andre Coleman's got to, I think he's, he's got, he's got to learn on the job, unfortunately, but I, I think he, he, he can be better. And what's something that can salvage this season? I know we talked about this. And I think we're both on the same line. It's, you know, developing Skyler, not going back into this controversy and l- allowing him to get in rhythm and maybe even change how we call our plays to better fit his skill set. Well, it would be a huge mistake if we start, you know, backpedaling to to splitting time with Alex Del- uh or Alex Delton. I think that would be a huge mistake if we did that right now. That would just set Skyler's development back. Yep, I agree with everything you said. And that also leads us into another question. I think this is a first-time question asker by Scotty Ack on Twitter, at Scotty Ack. What is more concerning, the play calling or the level of athletes trying to run the plays? I think, again, this is something that we talked about during the game. We talked about this before we recorded um, there's a little bit of both. I think you're not pl- making the play calls to match your your offense. I think Skylar Thompson needs quick hitting, quick plays early in games to allow him to then open up down the field. You saw this versus UTSA. You didn't see it yesterday, but at the same time, if you look, if you truly look at our offense through four games, how many of those guys are starting other Big Twelve schools? So I. I think that there is a lot of blame to go around when it comes to play calls and who we have on the field. There is. And uh, also, I, I hate to – I'm just raining on the offensive line a lot today. But, uh, uh, you know, their performance, if they're performing at, at their peak, a lot of this is taken care of, I believe. But uh, you're right. We, we mentioned early on in the game what was needed for uh, uh, Skyler – to, to really kind of get in the rhythm and, and, and really start having early success was the quick hitting uh, pass plays, the quick slants, the, the bubble screens, those kind of plays. So I, I, I don't think they, as you said, they're not setting him up for success. Uh, but, but you're right. It's the athletes out there that are uh, actually executing and it's not getting done. And I think that goes back to a, you know, something that might be worthy of an entire podcast is how we're recruiting, the level we're recruiting to. There's a couple questions about recruiting. Um, but even all when all that's said, you know, it's the head coach that lays everything down the recruiting strategy. So especially in college sports, I think all roads always lead back to the head coach. Uh, but we'll move on. Uh, oh, this is a familiar Grant underscore KSU. He was able to tweet in a question uh, from his mission down in Cuba trying to liberate the Cuban people. He asks, is there a possibility of Skyler transferring? Bill genuinely doesn't seem to rate him. His receivers are poor. The line can't protect him. Do you fear he's going to seek greener pastures elsewhere? I say 100% because he's going to be able to graduate at the end of this year, meaning he will have two years to play wherever he wants. I think you know a place like Mizzou would be bonkers not to try to get him with a lot or lock leaving for the NFL after this year. So I 100% am afraid of this. I think there's a possibility. I don't think it's quite as great as what you portray or how you feel. Um, and I, and I think let's, let's see how this uh, season plays out. Now, if 
we start uh, backpedaling and start splitting time with uh, with Delton again, um, I think both both uh, quarterbacks could be uh, we could be worried about them transferring. And how much fun that would be. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that it'll be something to watch. And uh, I'm not someone who says you, you know, tank for the sake of keeping one player happy. But I genuinely think Skyler gives you the best chance to win now, tomorrow, and the following years. And I, it would be a shame to see a guy that we brought in who has two more years who can play at such a high-quality level to let him get away. Well, and I think, I think Skyler – hopefully by the end of this season, bowl game or not, is going to feel like this is my team for two years. Well, I thought that we got to that point. You know, if you saw the press availability, Dalton Reisner came out and talked about how great it is that we're finally behind one quarterback and that Skyler's the guy. Skyler said how much better practice was. You heard it from Zuber. You heard it from everyone. And now Bill seemingly has thrown it all away with what he said in the postgame. And then we're going to get to the final question, probably – the most popular Twitter account on uh, Twitter amongst K-State fans is at the K-State fan. He's the one who gets all those fun highlights and brackets in the offseason going. He has a great question, and he asks, are there any assistant coaches who should be retained if there's a coaching change this offseason? This is something we talked about before we started recording. I'll let you go first, and then I'll come in. Well, I think uh – very possibly there should be some retained, but it's always going to depend upon who the head coach is. If you bring in somebody from the outside, for example, I mean, they're going to want their own staff probably, and they would be able to pick and choose who they think would complement their style and their approach. So I think it's, I'm kind of hedging a little bit, but I think it's going to totally depend on who the head coach is. Yeah, so the only must-keep guy, I think, in the entire staff is Taylor Bratt, who is the recording or recruiting director. This guy is out there. He is grinding. If Bill would just let him loose and do what he does, we would instantly see better recruiting. I think he needs to stay around no matter who the staff is. And then after that, I think it's tough to keep almost any of them because fact of the matter, almost everyone who – might coach past Bill Snyder because I think you would see guys like Dickey, Moe, Fabris, a lot of guys hang it up when Bill does. But I think almost every other coach is one position too high and you don't want to retain someone. I don't think you can retain Blake or Andre at the coordinator roles. Maybe you keep Colin on as a co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. But I think almost every other guy maybe is a little bit too, um, you know, out out fishing their waters with the position they currently hold already. So I don't think a new coach is going to come in and, you know, no one's going to take a demotion. Once Andre is the offensive coordinator, he's not going to go back to being just the wide receivers coach. Um, Colin's not going to go back to just being the quarterbacks coach. Blake isn't going to go back to coaching just linebackers or defensive ends. So uh, I, I think it, I think if a change happens, I think I'd be surprised to see a lot of guys stay over. Yep. Good point. All right, we're going to wrap things things up with our weekly game balls. Remember, as always, this is brought to you by my bookie. 
Use boys25. You get a 100% match plus an extra 25 bucks. Put it all on the Chiefs overs. They're going to light it up. Patrick Mahomes is the real deal. We're going to wrap this up so we can watch the Chiefs. Um, We're going to get started. Remember the rules. You get an offensive and defensive game ball. You can substitute one of those out for a special teams player. And we have our swagger stickers at the end. Dad, kick us off. Who's getting your first game ball? My first game ball is going to go to Isaiah Zuber. Uh, He is clearly... Uh, shown that he is the uh, class of our receiving core. Uh, yesterday he had 10 receptions, 133 yards receiving. Uh, he is certainly at the head of the class of, of that core. I'm going with uh, off or offensive uh, game balls being substituted for special teams. I'm going with the third leg guy himself, Blake Lynch. He went two for three from field goal, but he was awarded a scholarship. And the story about him came out this week that he's been the veneer complex janitor for three years. This is, you know, a our own little Rudy story. Um, props to the kid. He's a super accurate kicker from 50 and in. He's hitting everything. Uh, so I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I mean, he saws two more years after this. So game ball's going out to Blake Lynch. Yeah, Blake's a great K-State story. I love it. Uh, my next game ball, I'm substituting for our punter, Andrew Hicks. Uh, he has a game ball for me. He had uh, four punts, the longest one of 62 yards, and then what I referenced earlier was that uh, that punt after the turnover inside the uh, five-yard line. Yeah, a great punt. I think the punter competition is back on after I declared it over. Um, my next one is going to Jonathan Durham. Uh, he had an interception. He didn't get burnt a ton. He he came in late because Walter Neal, I believe, got banged up. He was the number one rated defensive player on pro football focus. So he's getting my game ball. Dad, swagger sticker, who's getting it? Well, the swagger sticker has to go to the cord caddy of Bill Snyder. Uh, he was sporting that cool lavender polo that we both commented on, and I think we both would like to have one of those polos. Yes, that was an amazing polo. Saw a lot of love for, for it on social media. I'm going to have to track it down. My swagger sticker, it's going out to all you boneheads. It's been amazing seeing you guys tweet in your pictures of wearing the bonehead gear. We have those tank tops and long sleeve shirts out there. It's great to see. I see people using the koozies. We had a guy who's using the koozie down at the UTSA Texas State game down at the Alamo Dome. Got pictures of. Love it. You guys have made this so much fun. Uh, Can't wait to have another event. Remember to tweet in if you want us to throw something together for the K-State KU game. If that's something y'all want, we're going to try to make it happen. Um, But again, thank you guys. You guys get the swagger sticker this week. Dad, do you have anything else before we sign off? Uh, Go Chiefs should be a great one today. And uh, meet Grant at the Cathead. Yep. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Sports Social Podcast Network.